Now, here's the thing. I'm not a uh, advocate for just doing everything because if you do everything, you're going to get yourself killed for other reasons. The the unpaid help growing up, like a, like no, like a no, lot of family. Uh, business. So I have empathy for that guy because I I was that guy. Your dad probably wouldn't have found a, a, you know someone on, in a Facebook group, right? Like so. You're listening to the Roofing Success Podcast, a show created to inspire roofing contractors to achieve optimal success in their roofing businesses. I'm the host, Jim Aline, the co-author of the books, Internet Marketing for Roofing Contractors, and the best-known roofer. I'm also the co-founder of Roofer Marketers, the leading digital marketing agency for the roofing industry. On each episode, I sit down with industry leaders to talk about their processes, the lessons they've learned, and how to find success in roofing. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Roofing Success Podcast. As always, hit that follow, like, subscribe, one of those buttons, especially if you haven't before. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. If you're on the uh, podcast networks or leave us a review, that would be great. Uh, and if you want to take the conversation beyond just what you're listening to here, go to Facebook, type in Roofing Success and join the Roofing Success Facebook group. Today, I have Robin Shearer of Trust Roofing in Florida. He went from one coast to another. What's up, man? Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the introduction. I'm super excited. I've never done a podcast before. I've watched podcasts, listened awesome. to them, seen them. First time I've ever done one. So I appreciate the invite and I'm excited to talk. Yeah, cool, man. So you you started off in a family roofing business, right? Your 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 parents had a roofing business out in California? Yeah, my dad started in the roofing industry in 1978. So, or even earlier in the early 70s out in Los Angeles, California. He drove out here as a hippie from New York uh, and he started, he was just an entrepreneur. His first business was a landscaping business. He was towing the trailer with a VW bug doing landscaping, mowing lawns, you name it, he was doing it. Um <laughs> And then he met a guy at, at a, a like kind of a hotel type living situation he was living at who was from Canada and he did roofing. And the guy, like they got along, they were friends and they said, well, let's get in the roofing business together. So they started their first roofing company out of that same hotel, little living situation. And they went from there. So that's the roots of, of where I come from. So nice. when, you know, my, my dad was in the roofing industry from then all the way, he still has a company in Los Angeles. And he basically got me started in it when, when I was around 15. So I've, I've been in it for a long time. Yeah. So were you just, uh, the, the, the unpaid help growing up? Like, uh, like, no, like a no, lot of family uh, businesses when I, when, or how'd that no, start off for you? When, when, I mean, when I was really young, when I was like five, four, six, I have vivid memories of driving around with him in his truck. He's going to do quotes. He would hand me a Thomas book maps thing. And I would actually lead him to his quotes on the MacBook. <laughs> like I'm showing him, Hey, take a right here, dad, take a left here, dad. And he taught me how to show him. So that's where I started. Uh, then I went to school. I got friends. I did my thing. I played a lot of video games, you know, all those kids stuff. Then when I was around, you know, 15 or so, he's kind of like, all right, dude, you're not making any money. You're not doing anything. You're not doing good in school. Like, wh what are you going to do? Like, Hey, I have a roofing company. Uh, do, do you want to help me here? And here are things. And you know, me, of course, I'm like, I didn't want to work. I'm like, kind of, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, and he's like, okay, good. Well, I got a job that you could do for me. You can make some good money. Uh, and basically you could go probe my TPO roofs and do quality control checks on them. Cause he's doing a ton of single ply TPO PVC. He's running into some leaks because of quality control issues. So he basically mm. grabbed me. He taught me how to probe roofs. Uh, his foreman over there, Mark, one of his GMs basically taught me. And that's where I started was probing every single TPO roof that his crew did, doing quality control, making sure that it was up to snuff, learning, you know, how to do it based off the manufacturer's best recommendations, what he liked and 
just doing that. So that's where I started. Awesome, man. And then recently, I mean, how, how long has it been since you started trust roofing? I've had trust roofing for it's almost three years now. A little under, a little under almost three. three years now. Yeah. So there was a, a point in time where you said, all right, well, let's do this on our own. Or were you, all, <laughs> did you work for your father? Basically, what was the in between? I was out in LA. So I started doing the probing. Uh, eventually, you know, I'm, I was on a crew and we were doing TPO installs on houses, smaller stuff, all TPO, PVC. And eventually I was forming a commercial crew for him. You know, I recruited guys, about six guys under me. So I was doing that for a long time. Um, basically what happened is my mom, I have uh, four siblings, three, a uh, couple brothers, couple sisters. So basically my two brothers both ended up over here. One works at an AI company. One has a marketing business. Anyway, they're both here in the Tampa Bay area. So it's like, here's my mom. She's got four grandkids with each of them. She wanted to be this way. So she goes, okay, I, you know, I want to live over there and uh, good. So my dad's going to go. So then I'm like, well, I can stay here and keep roofing for my dad's company was one choice. Or then we had the idea, well, look, Florida is a great market. Uh, it needs good contractors. There's plenty of work there. We already have a lot of connections. We know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends and people I know over here. So it was like, okay, we could go start a roofing company over there. My dad saying to me was like, hey, we could go do that one and we could be 50-50. And I was like, hey, that sounds like a way better idea than just continuing to form in this crew as much as I love doing that. So we decided to do that. I moved over here. I brought my fiance along. Uh, she was you know, kind enough to support that decision and want to do that with me. So she came out here as well. Uh, and, and that's pretty much how it started. We got over here. And at first, I was still just doing office work for the, the Los Angeles Roofing Company. So that actually started to get me for the first time into sales, into kind of customer coordination, emailing back and forth, ordering materials. I started to do some management from the computer because I had to get my roofing license. And that was like, you know, a, mm, yeah. quite a bit of, it took like six months in order to get the roofing license, get our liability set over here, get our work. I mean, you have to get all your stuff in a, in a row to get your license in Florida. So that's kind of how it started. I was still doing office stuff over there. And then I went ahead and got my license and then we started out over here. And, and uh, so what's the, what's the path been like for you as a Florida roofing contractor? Now? Yeah, no, it was interesting. So I got my license, right? That was hard. I, you know, I had to get the 10 books or this big and I had to study them, read them, uh, set my mind to it, was able to manage to pass that test, get our licensure, you know, do all that. Uh, and, and then I just started, I started as small as can be. And, you know, my whole thing from the beginning was I kind of operated my business as a little bit of a control freak here. So, you know, I was selling the job. I was formatting the job. I was marketing for the company. I was doing every single piece. So I remember the first job we got, I went on home advisor, grabbed the lead, went and saw the guys. And I was only looking at TPO roofs because that's all I knew. I didn't even know much about shingles yet. So we were just looking for flat roofs, TPO, PVC. Um, and we went and did the first job, me and my nephew, we put it on. So that's kind of where we started. And we just got little jobs, little TPO jobs, little back flat roofs. Eventually I got a dental complex. And then I started to look around and hire some roofers. So eventually, you know, there I am with my crew of five or six guys. I'm the foreman. I sell every job and I form into every job. And I just, my whole thing always was attention on the quality and on the process of my actual install with my labor team. Mm. That's where all my attention went. And what I would tell uh, building owners and people I was pitching is, look, I'm the owner of the company. I care about this more than anybody else. And I'm actually going to be up there with my hands installing your roof and making sure it's going to last. Uh, and that was my whole pitch for the longest time. And I operated the business in that manner for, uh, you know, the first two years being the foreman. I sold just about every single roof, 
you know, and, and my mom and dad were helping on the back side, right? Cause they have roofing ownership experience. So they're a little more retired, a little more stepped back now, but they have a lot of that experience, uh, administratively marketing wise, uh, just some business savviness that I haven't had a chance to grow and nurture yet. Right. I still haven't near as much as they, right. So they've been a huge help on the back end, just in terms of that. And we just basically to start off for two years, doing a great job for every uh, homeowner and just kind of building it up slow at first. And then what happened? Cause that was, you just said the first two years. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the first two years is kind of going like that. Uh, and probably about maybe one year, eight months in, I had a friend of mine, uh, his name's Baron, and he actually had moved over here to work for me. And I had told him, Hey, look, you know, eventually we'll make a bigger company. What I want in order, cause he wanted to sell, he was selling landscaping in LA. And I'm like, look, you can make way more money out here. He's getting paid like 2% of the growth. I mean, it was like, whatever. So I'm like, okay, yeah. this guy can come over here and he can do better. And I kind of talked to him and he's like, I want to sell. I'm like, well, you can't sell a roof until you've done some roofing with me. Like, I'm sorry, dude. So I got him to come out here and he was on the crew for the first six months. He was my first sales rep. So that was the very first time I kind of stepped up and now I had someone else selling the jobs. Yeah. Um, and, and then I brought in another guy and added him. And what really happened that took it off is I really looked at the industry and I looked at what I was doing. And I mean, I love roofing more than anything, but I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot uh, five. I mean, I was breaking my back. I was doing, you know, 13 hour days on the roof. And then I'm going home. I'm typing up quotes. I'm billing. I'm marketing. I'm trying to figure out people's pay. I mean, doing all of that. And I'm like, okay, this isn't scalable. I can't live the rest of my life. I can't have a family. I can't spend enough time with my fiance if I continue to operate this way. So I'm like, okay, how can I do something different? Right. And my whole thing is I never wanted to scale out because I didn't want to relinquish control of the job sites to another person because I really was, mm. man, if I give it to anyone else, it's not going to be as good. And in a way, there's some truth there. But in another way, you know, if you find the right individuals and they are out there who are the right foremans who do care and have that care factor, you actually can get even better guys than yourself. Because at the end of the day, I'm not the greatest roofer there ever was. I mean, I'm good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, so I, I eventually found a commercial guy. He was just a master at TPO and PVC. I saw him in the way he installed. I was like, Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy I can hand the ropes off to. So once I met him, I got him to move out here from Texas at the time. And he started to run my commercial crew. And that allowed me to step back and then start to look at this as a business. And how can I scale this thing? So I, I pretty much just looked at the market, honestly, and I looked at it and I went, okay, there's a spot right now that's really needed in the market for contractors who put attention on the labor, on the production, on the quality of their roofs and who put attention on that and who really put the homeowner first. And I'm like, there's a spot in this market for that. And companies who do that correctly are going to scale and going to succeed. So, you know, I looked at names. I looked at what I can change the name to because it was TNG roofing before, which was a name you just, it was going to be hard to scale with. Yep. So, I found trust roofing and I thought I was, I was looking at something cause we're a family owned company, me, my mom, my dad, my yeah. fiance, you know, I'm like, what, what family oriented name could we have? I was looking at family roofing. Well, familyroofing.com was taken. And I looked at trust roofing. Well, there were other trust roofings that were some smaller companies and everything out there, but trustroofing.com was not taken. So I'm like, okay, mm. that's an awesome name. And that really, it, it held everything to me that I wanted to be as a contractor, be a contractor who you're willing to look at, and trust to get the right materials for your job, get good labor for your job, and actually take care of you and have your best interests at heart, which at the end of the day is what it's all about, and it can be hard to find. So that's basically how it went. I decided to start scaling, added one sales rep, added another, and 
I've just kind of moved, moved on and we're at where we're at now. So. Yeah. And you guys have had just like a hockey stick growth after that happened, right? Like you just took off. Absolutely. I mean, my first month of this year, January compared to December, I mean, it's like 15 X, you know, from January to December, that's like a 15 X. One thing I heard from you, you, you brought in a sales rep from California, someone that you've known for a while. It sounds like you find uh, the, your, 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 your production guy or whatever from, from Texas. Like, I guess a lot of I've yeah, that, that, that production from, from guy, I found him on Facebook. He was in a Facebook oh, really? commercial roofing group and I I'm on this job, this commercial job, 16 buildings, apartments. I'm doing my 12 hour. I'm like, dude, I'm going to die on this job. It had a concrete deck. We were fastening, which I don't recommend. We were pre drilling. Oh man, this thing was brutal. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? I'm dying here. And I, and the crew I had, look, we weren't bad, but these guys, some of them were rough. They were not the type of guys who were really positive. There was some negative energy. I'm like, I need something in my life here. And I reached out and this guy reached out to me. He's like, Hey, look, I want to come. I said, well, look, give me some references. I want to call and make sure you're a decent guy. Yeah. I called and they oh yeah, he knows what he's doing. I said, all right, man, come on down, you know, let's party. I'll get you a hotel. I'll pay you this much a day. Let's do it. And he came down and this guy was just awesome. So I found him on Facebook randomly. Isn't that crazy? Like, I guess, you know, it, your network is your net worth, right? Like kind of like that type of thing, right? Like uh, it's, it's a, a lot of times and it's, it, it's interesting today. I mean, you're, you're a younger guy, like you understand Facebook and social media. It's been probably My part dad. of your life a lot more than some, you know, your, your dad's life, right? Like, Absolutely. and so your dad probably wouldn't have found, a, a, you know, someone on, in a Facebook no, group, right? Way, like, no. so. But, but that's, you know, being on, being in these groups and like involving yourself in the community, you know, you were down at the roofing process conference. We were down there also like getting in these, getting around other people in the industry, whether it's like on social media, what else have like, I mean, being in these, in these groups, do you get a like ever, you know, are able to throw out questions like, Hey, yeah. I'm working on this no, or you, doing you that. Great, you bring up a really great point. And it's like you in, in life and business and whatever, it's very easy to get stuck in your own echo chamber. So you're sitting yeah. there and you think you know it all because I don't know, but, but uh, this is something that I ran into at, when I was smaller, when I was just formatting and running the crew and like, I thought I just knew it all. I thought I had it all. somebody tried to tell me a different way to do something. And then eh, I don't know. I already had that. You know, that was kind of the attitude I had which was incorrect, but that's just how I was. I thought, oh, great. I'm all great. And I started to look around and I'm like, okay, there's people who do a lot better than me. There's people who are a lot smarter than me. You know, I don't know it all. And that's where I started to kind of branch out, um, listen to different people. I mean, my brothers have both been, yeah. especially my brother as a marketing company, he's been a big influence in, on me and just giving me ideas, telling me, hey, look, you can do it this way. You could try this, this way, this, that way. Starting to actually, and my employees, right? Telling me, hey, look, you could try doing this. You could try doing that. Now, here's the thing. You can't take every single idea at face value and just run with it. That'd be awful, but you can take them and look at them from your own perspective, your own viewpoint and go, okay, what's the rightness in this idea? What's the goodness in it? How can I put my own spin on it? How can I implement this in a way that'll work for me, right? For my family, for, you know, my company, uh, and kind of going like that. And I found, man, some of the best things I've implemented in my business. Absolutely. that come from your employees, come from your friend, come from yeah. some guy on YouTube, right? And you yeah. had the courage to look at it, kind of take your own spin on it, and then try it out in your business. And maybe it wasn't perfect at first, but you know, it worked. And a lot of things that I've done in my business are stuff that I learned on YouTube, online, with someone in person, something someone told me, a 
crew member or someone I met on the street or yeah. whatever it is, but definitely, you know, getting out of your echo chamber and being willing to learn, to look, um, is huge. You make a good point on that. Definitely. Like, and, 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 and what you're saying is, is right, is spot on. I think that you don't just have to take someone's information and just do exactly what they prescribe. Right. Yeah. But you, it may be a, a light bulb. Whoa, maybe we could just change this or tweak this a little bit. And it just, it, it, it can make a big impact on your, uh, on your business. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I noticed about you, and and I mean, it came from your father's business too. Like you guys have been are really single ply roofing system focused, right? TPO. We put a we put a PVC. lot of attention on it uh, over yeah. there in Los Angeles. Their companies like that's like ninety five percent of their revenue. TPO PVC. Okay, that's what they do over here. This business here, uh, I'm at this point, I'm more shingles and residential than TPO PVC. But the way I look okay. at it is, I look at it that. The residential leads into my TPO commercial business because we do roofs for Sally and May and whoever, and then they own a warehouse too, or they have a friend who owns one or whatever. And it just gets our name out there. It's a way to get our brand out yeah. there. It's a way to really service. I'm looking, okay, good. I'm a service oriented business. So I like doing little $500 repairs. I go clean your gutters. I'll go do a free inspection and I'll tell you, hey, look, your roof doesn't need to get replaced if that's the case. But those service factors, getting out there and servicing You'd be amazed at, you know, what you can find and the huge jobs you will pull in because if you're taking care of people, you get taken care of back. That's just the way it works. So we end up doing more shingles out here, shingles, metal, tile. Our residential side is bigger than our commercial side, um, but the commercial side is far more profitable. And the way I see it is that my residential side allows me to have a better commercial side. If I were to just right now get rid of my whole residential side, it'd be a lot harder to find my commercial jobs. So I kind of like growing with both of them. They're both good markets for different reasons. Uh, they, have, you know, commercially have more liability than your residential. I would say, um, you know, that there's pluses and minuses to both of them. I, but yeah, that's interesting. But, but, but you know, it, it's I, a good point. I thought because my dad actually out in uh, LA, one of the things was he never wanted to go back to residential because he's like, my margins are better in commercial, and they are right. They're way better. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, with this company here. You know, that's what he would always say. But then I looked at it and I'm like, well, this residential market is there. It's simple work, simple roofs. You can really take care of people. And then it's a way to grow your brand because then I got yard signs out there. I got my trucks out there. I got my guys in their shirts out there. We're shaking their hands. We're getting reviews. I mean, we're building that brand up. It's harder to build your brand, in my opinion, just on commercial alone in terms of a wide brand that tons of people know. Because what do most people own? They own houses. They don't own commercial property. So- for sure. It is. And it, and it is marketing to each to residential versus commercial is much different. Exactly. Branding yeah. to residential to versus commercial is much different. There's so many different things, but one thing that, that holds true in both of them. And I, and you said it really quickly and a, a second ago, and that was that your service business leads to you're letting your service business lead to the big business, yep, right? Absolutely. And and let let's talk about that for a little bit because so many roofing contractors subcontract their have subcontracted yep. crews, and I see that as an impediment to the repair side, to the service side. Oh, I completely. You guys agree. have you know having all in house crews. Well, and we'll talk about that a little. I want to get into that a little bit with you too, but uh, you know about you know, having those in-house crews, but let's just talk about the concept, right? 
you said you'll go out and do a gutter cleaning. You'll go out and do an inspection. Doesn't matter what it is. You'll go out and do a repair. Walk through that mind, your your mindset there of how that, how that, how that is the kind of the the seed to the to to the to the future business. Here's the thing: people want to deal with people who are there, who will help them, and who are full service. So, if you want to pick a roofing contractor to do business with. You want them to be able to clean your mom's gutters when their gutters are dirty or, you know, do the little chimney repair. And you want them to be able to potentially replace that whole roof, potentially do a metal roof, potentially do a TPO roof. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a uh, advocate for just doing everything because if you do everything, you're going to get yourself killed for other reasons, right? There's certain things I'm not good at. I'm not good at commercial metal roofing. I don't, I don't know it. I've not done it in the past. Maybe in the future, I'll get into it. It's not where I'm good at coatings. I've done a few of them. I do some of them. It's not the biggest thing I push, not where I make the most money, where I know the best, right? So, you know, you have to know where you're at and what your lane is. But once you know what your lane is, being able to be full service across the boards, 100% a huge help thing. I have a random little antidote, a random story. I'm going to be doing a commercial job in Orlando next week. Um, It's 60 grand, right? It's a good sized roof. It's a good margin. It's over metal. We're going to fill the flutes up with EPS. We're going to uh, do a TPO overlay. It's going to come out great. But the way I got this job is she reached out to me on uh, on my website randomly from Orlando. And she's like, she wanted me to come out and do a repair. This was years ago when I was a smaller business. And I said, absolutely. This is what I'm going to do. You know, she wanted me to pull some screws, you know, just pull screws out, replace the screws because the fasteners were leaking. So I did that in a section. I did that in another section. I coded a skylight, right? I've been out to Orlando to her property five different times, sitting in traffic for two hours, I swear. And each of those repairs were profitable in themselves. You know, I would charge whatever yeah. and you know, I'd be making double my money, triple my, whatever it was. Like I was profitable on those repairs, but they kind of sucked driving two hours in traffic. The whole time my mindset was, look, when Danielle replaces her roof, she's going to call me. And then when she decided to, I was her guy. She has another property in Orlando that uh, we're looking at doing the shingles on that I'm in touch with her right now on. And now we've gotten to be a bigger company. So getting out to Orlando, I have the network that that's not a problem anymore. When I was first on that job, man, if she had closed on it way back then, if I had to go in a hotel and drive all my guys, it would have been a whole big thing. But, you know, I was ready to do it then too. But that's just a random story of being, there's another one, another story in Orlando. Girl wanted a random job done in Orlando. A lot of people would say, man, that's way too far. Why would you go? Well, whatever. I went for this girl. This girl sold for a GC at the time. And I went out, I did this job for her, this little residential job out there. Fast forward, she's now a sales rep for me in Fort Myers in Port Charlotte. She's our number one sales rep. She absolutely crushes it. But I met her on this job I did for her. I did about five others that she sold for that GC. And eventually it didn't work out with her and him. She was looking for another company to work with. And she knew me and we got along good and she started working for me. So you know, you just never know. And that's not to just say, take any work ever, do whatever. But if it makes sense, if it's profitable, I charge extra money on those job, jobs for the trip fee, right? I made them make yep. sense. Don't do them if they don't make sense, but they make sense. You can make it financially work out, you know, doing more work, getting your name out there for good people. It's going to come through for you in the long run every time. So, yeah, that that's what I, I think that's the a big issue on the repair side is that it, is that they don't get priced properly. Yep, I, I agree. Right? Yeah. And so, but if you are pricing those repairs properly, it's a profitable source of revenue, right? Like oh, it's, it's a, hugely it's a revenue stream. It's, and, it's a lot of good things about it. That's right, and so so I think that to do that though, I think the 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 best companies that do that have the in-house crews that yeah. work on these things, right? Yeah. And so let's get into that and and how 
I mean, it, it sounds like through the whole time your father had his business, it was in-house crews. You have in-house crews. So it's probably normal to you, more normal than subcontracting maybe. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I've I've tried subcontracting. When I started scaling here, I tried it out. And I got to tell you what, I hated it. I hated the lack of control that I had over my company, over my jobs, and over my homeowners. Uh, I absolutely could not stand it. I felt like it was horrendous. And I, I felt bad, honestly. Now, that's not to say that nobody who subcontracts isn't able to figure it out and figure their process out and do yeah. great. There are people out there who have it down. But for me, it just was not my style. I, you know. And when I was out there, I remember uh, being out there selling jobs for myself to do. And it was just me and my crew. And one of my number one things I told homeowners to sell them on me was, hey, look, I'm not just going to subcontract some crew. I'm going to be out here personally. I'm going to make sure your roof gets done right. Well, the way that transfers now is my sales reps and myself when I'm talking to a homeowner is, look, you are going to have one of three trust roofing Clearwater area residential crews. I can name you the foreman right now. I know the guys on those crews. They're going to come out there and they're going to do a stunning job. And you're going to have one of my two project managers who's going to be out there and who's going to follow a checklist to make sure that this roof gets done right. And that's it, period. If there's a problem with those crews, those project managers, you're going to have this senior production manager come in. There's a problem with him, you're going to have me, right? You you have within your organization every single step in-house to do the job and to get it done, right? And that's my thing is I don't see how you could get the same quality in a subbed out system and process than you could in a company where it's in-house and there. Because then what happens is, you know, like my company, I have three repair techs, you know, my, my Jose, Thomas, Carlos, awesome guys. And here's the thing. If I do a roof, I offer always a 10-year Dolly guarantee every time. And I honor it to a T. And it's so easy to honor it because, A, you do a great job. You don't have a lot of leaks, right? B, if you have one, guess what? Carlos, uh, this is what you're going to do tomorrow morning. You're going to go to here. You're going to do this. You're going to make sure it's handled, okay? And Carlos is a pro roofer, and he just goes and does it for you. And you take care of Carlos. You know, and you pay him well. You treat him right because at the end of the day, he is the lifeblood of your business. And I believe that to a core because I grew up doing the roofing work for my dad and for this company. And I know for a fact that without the crews, without the guys putting them on and doing them well, businesses like mine that are on quality do not exist. We're not here. So I put a lot of attention on my guys on their pay, on them being successful, on improving them, on good, you know, wh- how are they doing in life? You know, wh- how are they growing? What are you doing, right? And really trying to help and mentor people and see that, that they succeed both in their personal life and working for my company. Because I don't want turnover. I don't want guys coming and working for me for, you know, six months and then the next company. That, no, I want to really create partnerships with my employees where they're being taken care of, they're happy, they can grow, and they can be with me for a long time. So, that's what I've done on you know my repair side, on my uh, in-house side of my crews. I have three in-house crews here in, uh, in Clearwater area, one commercial in-house crew. Then in Fort Myers and Port Charlotte, I have two in-house uh, residential crews. And then we still sub out like, you know, uh, Sanding Sea Metal, for example. I don't have an in-house crew for that. Yep. I just don't do enough volume. So I have a few really good trusted sub partners who I use for that, right? Uh, same thing with tile installs, right? But the thing is, if I ever start to do enough volume in those things where I could keep a crew busy every day, 100%, I'm going to bring it in-house because it's just the best way to go. Definitely. So now let's let's take it back to building that crew. Yeah. Hiring. What are you looking for in those people? Where are you finding them? How are you making those hiring decisions? Let's start there. 
Yeah, that's a that's a challenge. I mean, a lot of the times what you can do, uh, I had a, I added my third in-house crew recently. And this gentleman, he actually brought in the whole crew, similar to how a sub crew would, right? He brought everybody in. His name was Armando, the greatest, nicest guy ever, very professional. He was working for another top roofing company in the area uh, who's very well known and you know runs our business in a similar manner to me. And he approached me. He actually just came in and he wanted to interview to work for us. So I talked to him. He's like, yeah, I got six guys, you know, and they they all could be W2. They all this, they all that. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So I talked to him. I had him bring in all his guys. I met his whole team. We interviewed him and they wanted to start working for us. And we went from there. So every once in a while, you can have magic in the bottle like that happen. Otherwise, you're interviewing guys. You're putting a foreman together. That's the number one thing I'd say is the most important. And the hardest thing to find is the foreman. You need to find the foreman, Mm. be glue for his team glue for that crew and who you can put other people under him. And he's just going to make it work. My commercial foreman, it's exactly what he's like. I give him guys I put and he puts them to work and he takes care of them. And I pay that foreman very well because he's providing that leadership role and taking care and nurturing those guys. That's the individual who's really hard to find is that foreman. Cause that's the guy, you know, who makes sure the quality happens, who makes sure that the job is done in a good way, et cetera. If you have him, you know, you can give him, you still want to give him great guys, but that's a hard thing to find. I'd say it's really that foreman. Um, what, where what you, find him, you have to, you have to just reach out, constantly be reaching out. I'm on Facebook constantly looking for roofers, looking for this, looking for that in local groups. Um, constantly within my team is a big thing. So I really am looking for my existing roofers. Do you know anyone? Oh yeah. I worked with this guy six months ago at this company. He's getting paid this. A lot of companies don't pay their roofers very well. I'm like, he's getting paid that. Like, that's just not cool. Bring him in here. He can shingle. He can TPO. Okay, good. Let me interview him. Interview him. Look, I'm going to take care of you. This is what you're going to do for us. Bring him into the system. So a lot of intergroup recruitment is important. One reason I really like that is because I'm big on my company culture. So I try to bring in people who have that positive attitude, who are there on the same kind of train as the rest of us in that way. So they tend to refer and bring in people who tend to be also like-minded. So it's not a perfect system. Definitely uh, gone wrong before, but it helps when they're referred by someone within your group because they're hopefully going to have that cultural aspect with them. Definitely, definitely. And that's that's the thing. If you've been in the trades, in any trade, if you've worked in it for any period of time, you've worked with other people in those trades, right? right. And so you always know, hey, this is I'd work with this person again for sure. Yep. I'd work with that person again for sure. I definitely wor- wouldn't work with that person again, right? Yep. And so when you're how you put it intergroup recruitment like as that is happening that's probably a filtering system for sure now that you have them right now that you've brought them in you found some good people you said you're really taking care of them right so how 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 do you take care of that team to make sure because man you losing people is is challenging yeah turnover is very costly um the number one way i'd say on taking care of them a lot of people, including myself, probably at points in my life, uh, they think money. That's going to be the number one thing that would keep people happy, right? But I've learned that that's actually not the case. That isn't the most important thing. Now, it is an item for sure. It's sure, sure something. It's got to be right. But that's not the number one most important thing. So beyond paying them decently, like I try to pay my guys you know, well above the average rate in my market for sure. And then I charge the customer accordingly. And I explain to the customer, look, my labor's top notch. They're trained. They're processed. They have the right culture. They can do your job better, right? So you have to sell that. But 
um, in addition to just money, how do you take care of them? So what you do is you make their job awesome and you make it easy, you make it smooth. So the crews, what do they need and want? Well, if they want this kind of dump trailer or if this kind of equipter is ideal for them, I mean, I don't have any equipters, but there's companies who do that, right? We're very successful doing things like that. Um, if, uh, you know, they need these kind of tools, if they prefer installing this kind of shit, you know, whatever it is that makes their job easier, that makes their life better as a foreman, right? If they need something on the fly, they need an extra sheet of plywood and they're far from a store, they really need that quick. Well, good. Have a runner, have a project manager who's really quick to the draw to get that out to the site for them. But take care of them. Be responsive to their requests. When my guys text me or want something and my phone hits with, hey, I need this. Hey, this is going on. Hey, I don't like it when this happens on the job. I am very receptive to that. Uh, constructive criticism and improving my systems and processes, not just to how I want to see them and how my clients want to see them, but also to what makes it easy for my crews, smooth for my crews, my personnel to do their jobs, be able to understand their scope of work, you know, and, and then do well. And it just down to little things. For example, in Florida, you have to take a, uh, the photos of your permits, right? Uh, you know, with a permit number of different things, you're renailing, you're this, you're that. So one thing that I used to hate as a crew person is I'd take a Sharpie, take a piece of TPO or a piece of wood, and I'd write it down. It was kind of an annoying process. Look at the permit paper, write it down. So I was like, how do I get rid of that? And how do I make this more professional? Because those are going on my company cam, which now my clients have. So it's just a really simple thing. I took a nice sheet of paper, my logo, the permit number, the address, and the crew name. And every single time we do a job, we print that out, we laminate it in a little plastic sheet, we hand it to you know our foreman, hey, this is your permit and this is your photo sheet. And they take the little photos with that and then the customer who gets it, it's like branding on company cam. They're on company cam. Every picture has got trust roofing and the permit number in it of us doing their job to code. And then to the inspector, the inspector looks at it because they look at the photos and they see every single photo with trust roofing and our permit number doing looking professional. And that makes getting your permit signed off easier, makes your crews easier to get them to take their pictures, et cetera. So like that was one really little thing that was an idea that actually my production manager, my branch manager and uh, and we kind of all collaborated on it, a really little thing that some other companies do too, but that kind of thing that makes their lives easier. Uh, in addition to just, this is actually the number one most important thing. Someone who talks about this a lot, who's correct about it, uh, are the Apple roofing guys, okay? In terms of making sure that you have a system of, of uh, and a company that's growing, where there's growth, because Joe is eventually maybe going to want to be a foreman or a more senior repair tech. And then your foreman, maybe someday wants to be a project manager. Maybe he wants to be a branch manager. Maybe that sales rep wants to be a sales manager, right? And if the company just is sitting and complacent, guess what? It's like, okay, I gotta go, I want to go work somewhere where there's some opportunity where I can grow because, you know, I'm a business owner. You're a business owner. We want to grow, obviously. We're not the only ones. That's natural to being human. You want to grow, you want to improve, and you want to be around people who want to see that for you and who want to help create that. So that's the number one thing too is providing an environment where people can grow, where they can be in control of their income, how well they're doing, and how far they're going based on their production, right? It isn't just good, everyone gets to do great. No, it's like you produce, you bring in for the company, and you do well and take care of the customers. Uh, then you're going to rise up and do well as well. We're going to create a company and a system that allows that to occur. So that's something I try to do. Um, that's, that's also very vital. That is, it, it's really important for people to see the potential that they have within your organization. Yep. It's, it, it's amazing how much that changes. Now it's challenging when you, 
you know, a, a lot of times, I mean, even, even when you get to a, you know, a, a, an eight figure roofing business, there's still, uh, I mean, it's not a, a lot of people, right? Like they're yeah. like, you think about like fortune 500 companies and things like that with thousands and tens of thousands of people and tens of thousands of ways that someone can move up. Right. right. Like it's, you know, you could move departments, you could move this, you could do this, you could like, there's so many things. So when you have a, a more family owned business that, you know, creating those paths for them into the future to at least have like an understanding that I can get here. And as the company grows, maybe now I'm the foreman of the crew down in another area, or maybe I'm the, and then I can move up to a a job site supervisor in that area. And then I move up to the production manager and, you know, like there's however that path looks, but, but, uh, but I like that. That's a great thing for people to think about. Oh yeah. Is how to lay that path out and and give people that upward mobility or at least the idea of where this is gonna go. Yeah. Right. Where where they're gonna be able to go and then also where the company's gonna go. And that one thing I didn't mention in all that about retaining employees and stuff on cruise is culture, which I touched on maybe earlier, but that's another thing a lot of people talk about, but it's just truth. It's just so important having a good company culture. What does the company stand for? What are we doing? Uh what are we trying to do differently for our customers and our homeowners? What are we trying to do differently uh, in terms of our employees, in terms of the way we interact with them, with their homeowners? Like that, That's your company culture. And that is so important because no one wants to work somewhere where it's toxic or where there's negative cultural traits. And it, it's a constant struggle, right? It's not easy. Like my company, I'm constantly working on culture and seeing like, okay, the way that person talked to him, that wasn't good company culture. Let's get him in a room and let's talk about that, right? Or whatever it is. It's not like it's easy. I struggle with it too, but that's something important. And with us trust roofing, like we try to embody the whole culture behind the name, right? Trust roofing. You can trust us. We're about trustworthiness, taking care of our client, taking care of our employee. That's what we're about. And I tell my team this all the time is I'm like, guys, probably the reason no big roofing company has tried to have the name trust roofing is because it's so like almost anti, (laughs) you know, to to what roofing has been seen as over the last uh, 50 or 70 years or whatever. So it's like, Every time we step out there in those shirts with that name and that slogan, it's like people are going to look at us under a microscope. Like, oh, yeah, we can trust you. Well, let's see. And it's like we really try to own that name and try to operate in a way that that is becoming of it. And, you know, we're far from perfect. We make mistakes. We make slip ups. uh, But we're always constantly striving to be better and striving to that end goal. Um, Culturally, I think that's something that is, you know, positive about us and that's just an important an important point also in retaining your employees. And also just as, as a manager, as a business owner, enjoying going to work every day, right? There has to be a reason, you know, a team there. There has to be a culture there that you enjoy waking up and going to work every day. Otherwise, it's just a job and it's just like, you know, a hassle or whatever. Yeah. So build a team of people that you like to be around, right? Correct. <laughs> exactly. And that's culture that a lot of that is culture and culture is kind of a buzzword, right? Like it's, it you know, and, and it's very broad in its scope. I will tell you, you will realize that you are building a culture from your team, right? Like it will, it will become very apparent when it happens. I'm doing this right. 
Like it's a weird thing. Have you ever have? Did no, you ever right. feel you're that? You're right. I had people say the word culture before I even knew what it meant. I didn't even heard anyone talk about it. So I was yeah. like, "Wow, we have a great company culture here." I'm like, "What the hell's company culture?" I like, I didn't even know. I'm like, "Okay, good." And then I learned about it. I'm like, "Okay, good. That's what that is." And uh, once you actually yeah. you understand it, and you put your attention on it. Uh, that's that's a good magical moment, I'd say. But so, what have you guys done to now that you know that? Okay, you, people were saying, "Hey, we have a good company culture here," and here, like, "Oh, let me see what that is." That now, once you get to focus on something, you get to put you know put put some effort into it. What what things have you done? We, to we put have effort. A, we into have a company? long way to go, to be honest. But uh, simple things like I just started to write simple policies. Just started to write. Okay, good. This is a. Uh, sales rep policy. This is sales rep commission policy. This is a company culture policy, right? Put things in writing just as this is what we are. This is what we're about. And what that allows you to do is if something occurs that is off from those things that your company intends it to be, you can point back to me. Hey, look, I I get it. That was, you know, company culture policies right here. You don't do X, right? You don't talk to someone in that way. You don't yell or, you know, whatever it is that's in writing that you can refer to. So that's something I've started to do that's helped a lot of a lot more of that to do. Um, I want to put in writing like a company handbook, right? Mm-hmm. From an HR perspective as how I'm yep. growing, just really in writing good. This is what we stand for. It's how pay works. It's how this works. It's very clear and concise. Um, things like that are stuff that I'm looking at doing moving forward. But the number one thing is just managing and putting managers and putting people into place who I feel like you know lead with positivity, uh, lead with good energy uh, and, and trying to stomp anything that isn't that out of existence as best that I can. And it's it's not easy. It's a struggle even internally, right? Because there's moments when you might want to react to someone or do something that wouldn't be within what you want to put out there. And it's important to have that self-recognition that you're not perfect either, that you can sway from what you, you the vision is of your company and how you want it to be. Um, and, and to make sure as a leader, you don't, because it, it's so important that you know, you're setting the example for everybody else. But that's the number one thing I would yep. say is just leading with that good example, that good energy, uh, and constantly talking about whatever those points are. Like, you know, with my company, the, the the main points like, okay, good, we're trustworthy, our name is our promise, we take care of our customers no matter what, above and all else, you know, boom. I'm constantly going over those points, constantly putting them in my all-staff WhatsApps. And just the more you talk about something, the more you say something to everyone, the more it starts to click and their actions, I feel like, can start to go along with with that overall message and idea. And I think it's it's really important that 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 this starts to happen kind of before you get too big, because yeah. those managers and those key roles and those A players on your team need to fit that culture as you grow, or it can become infectious, yeah. right? And so let's talk a little bit about managing scale, right? And your thoughts on how how you have managed scale and how you plan to manage scale into the future? Yeah, it's a good question. It's like where we're at right now, as I've said actively multiple times uh, to my guys, and it's funny because I actually said this before I went to Fort Myers and my company like doubled overnight, right? But what, what, I, what I said before that is I said, look, guys, I don't want to expand the company anymore because I want to really smoothen out our processes, have policies written and in place, and have everything kind of roadmap to this is how our company was able to be successful up to this level. And that way, it's repeatable. It's duplicatable. You bring a guy in, good. That's the process to be a trust roofing project manager. Here you go. You know, that's the process to become a, you know, to be a sales rep here. This is what you do. The steps are codified, right? 
So that's what I said then. And that's what I'm saying now to my team at our current size. It's like, look, we want to kind of, not that we want to slow down expansion and growth. So we want to grow, but we want to put a lot of attention on codifying and putting in writing and putting there what has worked so far. What are our systems and processes? Uh, where, where are they good and smooth and great? And where do they need some work? Where do they need some tweaking, some fine tuning uh, and doing that? That way, when we grow or when we try to grow more, it's not painful. It's not hard. It's not, you know, no matter what, it can be painful. But if you have things, I feel like codified systems and processes in place uh, that you can refer back to and that you can use in order to expand and add on new people, onboard new people, expand into new regions, then I feel like, you know, it's going to be a lot easier of a process. So it's kind of where I'm at right now is codifying things, putting things in writing, trying to fine tune our yeah. processes. Where are they good? Where are they bad? Where are they great? And kind of going from there. And so, and uh, that, that's awesome. And that, and that's, those are those things you need those systems and processes in place to make it, to make things scale, right? Yeah. The, the, it has to be, this is how we do things yep. and, and, and making it duplicatable, right? The McDonald's yeah, process, absolutely. right? Is the most famous, right? Now we were talking, so you grew up in the roofing industry, right? You know, the, Five years old, you were you were you were Google Maps for your dad with the with, with the with the map in the car, right? Going on to working on the roofs, and and you're still, you know, young in this business. Uh, I mean, young, per, just young, oh, yeah. right? Now I'm 25. Business I'm owner. young in the roofing business, but now this business is has been changing a lot. And one of the things that I we had chatted about a little bit last time we talked was that just the the what's going on in the consolidation of this industry and i know that you had had some thoughts on that what what are you seeing around that and and what are you kind of preparing for planning for what are what are your thoughts around that yeah i mean i just look at an industry like the roofing industry right now the amount of players the barrier to entry the number of them in the roofing contractor space and I just look at that and I do see that consolidating. Now, I don't see it consolidating down to like some people say, oh, there'll be four roofing companies. I don't see that occurring anytime soon just because the buried entry is still too low for that to occur. And yeah. the homeowner has all the power, right? The consumer has all the power. They don't have to go with you. They can go with Joe Smith Roofing brand new anytime they want. And at the end of the day, it's probably not a bad idea to because Joe Smith Roofing probably is going to do a pretty good job. He's small. He can control it. He, he has passion toward roofing, toward the trade, right? So I, I have empathy for that guy because I, I was that guy. I was the smallest guy in town and I felt like I did a great job and I had a great product. So I have empathy for that guy and I think that, that guy will always have his place in the market. But at the same time, when I look at the current scope of things and so many companies and I feel like Honestly, there's a lot of companies out there who are a little bit on the side of average, right? And my company is far from perfect. There's so much that we could do better and so much that we can improve. But I just look around. I see a lot of companies that I don't feel like strive for that greatness, strive for that customer process. It's in tune with what I feel like a 10 to 20 to 30,000 or in some cases, commercial world, you're talking $100,000 purchase should be about. That should be a very high quality experience should be awesome for the homeowner, for the building owner. They should have, it should be a pleasure to replace your roof. I know it sounds crazy to say, but it's like, why not, right? Why should it need to be painful? Can it be smooth and fun and interesting and just be great and awesome, right? I feel like a lot of companies aren't looking at that. They're just like, oh, well, we have to replace the roofs every 20 years. They'll always come back to us and yeah, we'll just replace it. We'll do a so-so job and we'll do pretty good and you know, whatever. They feel like they look at it more like that. So I feel like companies that really look at it and really try to really be extraordinary 
in the way that they take care of that whole motor, the way that they do their job from sales side to project management to, you know, uh, the whole thing, how they brand themselves, how they market themselves all on the board on their business. I feel like those companies uh, are going to do better and that there is going to be a consolidation to where we don't see quite so many players, the players who do it right and who get things set up, you know, there is going to be that. It's happened in the HVAC world to some degrees, um, in some other industries, obviously. So that that's what I see moving forward. I don't know how fast it will happen, you know, how much yeah. it will happen, right? Like I don't see it being, oh, 10 companies. I don't see it being that much, but definitely I think it's going to occur and we'll see a difference in the landscape in the next you know, five, 10 years, uh, and, and moving yeah, forward. For sure. For sure. So now watching, you know, growing up in the roofing business, watch your, fa- watching your family, your father run a successful roofing contractor for decades, I guess. Right. Like, sure. and then now finding success in your own roofing business, what do you think the greatest insight is that you can share with our audience that, that helped drive that success with your family, your family's business and with your business? Yeah. I mean, they're two different businesses. Um, and I mean, it's a point of like, you have to know what you want before you can even start getting there. I think like my dad, he never wanted to have a big business. He wanted to have a small business that was profitable and did well for him. His business did great. He never had problems with money, always did well. Right. So he never wanted to have a business the size that I'm creating this and doing this. And I find a lot of joy and fun in the process, in the team, in the building. Like I find a lot of passion and fun in that. If I didn't, I wouldn't be happy doing this because just to be honest, it's a lot, a lot of work. I mean, a lot of work. I've always been kind of, you know, not always been, but since I got into the workaday world when I was 15, 16, I kind of really like being a workhorse. Like I've always liked producing a lot since then. Um, so that's the kind of person I am. I really like to work and work hard and work a lot. But you have to, that's the number one thing and insight is like, if you want to build a business, if you want to do it, it's going to take a lot of work uh, and you have to find a why that's more than just money. It has to be a why that's more than that, or I don't think it's going to be hard to succeed because all you're thinking about is dollar figures, then it, you know, I just, it has to be more that you're going for and that you're shooting for in order for you to want and have the drive to put in that amount of work and passion and energy into what you're doing. So like find your why, find why do you want to do this? Why do you want to build a company or a business? Um, what would it mean for you, for your family? What would it mean for those employees? Like what's the why behind all this? Then go from there and then it's going to be a lot of hard work, a lot of researching, studying, learning from others, figuring out what works and doesn't. Trial and error, you know, it's like trying to learn how to walk. You're going to fall over and over again and you might think, you know, oh man, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore and you keep pushing, you keep working, you keep being invested in your business and the rest can take care of itself, but it is a lot of hard work. So, Awesome. This has been another episode of the Roofing Success Podcast. If you would like to generate more revenue through your digital marketing efforts, please visit roofermarketers.com to get a copy of the book, The Best Known Roofer. Also, check the training section of the website for guides on everything from running effective pay-per-click ads to how to properly set up your Google My Business listing. Thanks for listening. Thank you.